to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons, and welcome to this Tenuous Links wrap-up of the Masters. What a wonderful Masters it was, Philly. Hideki Matsuyama showing how it was done. First victory for Japan. It, it was awesome. Well, first mile major winner. It was absolutely awesome. The whole event, it was the Masters again. The Masters is, is back. Having a crowd as well, that certainly made a difference. But, but it, let's, let's just talk a little bit about the great victory that it was. Matsuyama held off some pretty pretty impressive late challenges but he's one of the things about him is that he's certainly no flash in the pan kind of winner he didn't he didn't come from nowhere did he i mean he's six top 20s in his past seven appearances which included three top 10s he's not like a danny willett who sort of popped up at you know to get over the line or even um who else who else would be in that category charles schwartz or maybe yeah with his with his late run i think that the key to matsuyama is that he's always been acknowledged as a great ball striker and if anything his putting's been the weakness but there were so many close-ups it was almost like there was a desperation to see something happen with his putter because there Mm. were more close-ups of him putting than anyone else in terms of the face and his stroke was pure his uh his setup everything like everything about it was fantastic but then his control at the end i actually had him in a calcutta um but his control at the end you know, like his second shot into 18, which he blocks sort of inexplicably, and you're there going, okay, come on, come on. And then it was really nice. Like Faldo just said, you know, the fact that it's on the upslope, you know, should make the, the bunker shot relatively straightforward. But then he actually executes. I mean, he executed every shot. And the back nine on Saturday uh, w- was just awesome. But it's it's amazing how heartwarming it is to see a Japanese player. I think so many people for so many years mm-hmm. have wanted a Japanese player to break through in a major just because of the humility of how they go about it, you know, there's no brashness, there's, there's, you know, this really solemn bow. And my little minor brush uh, with Matsuyama at the President's Cup, going back to 2019, <laughs> drive, I was trying to take a photo of Patrick Reed. He drove between me and Patrick Reed with on the practice fairway or got driven and apologised for interrupting my, <laughs> my photo. And it's like, oh, man, this is your place, not my place. Yeah, well, it's one of the one of the big takeaways for me from this Masters was seeing that Japanese culture on display. What a breath of fresh air it is to see that humility, that humbleness of of Matsuyama and his his caddy at the end, where he he bowed to the you know he, he bowed to the um to the course, I guess, to the battle, to the whole, the designers, every everyone involved at the Masters. It was such a such a beautiful thing to see when we so often see the elation that you, that comes with winning a major, which isn't don't get me wrong like seeing that but it was just lovely to see that respect on on display and we, it was probably a masters of a whole lot of respect i mean the, the image of lee elder uh, on on the you know first day what a beautiful heartwarming vision that was i mean you saw you know the crowds were back which was nice uh, not not you know over the top but it was still lovely to see a huge huge amount of people there paying respect to lee elder you had grown men crying you know, tearing up left and right it was such it was one of those really unifying moments which i suppose it kind of was intended to be and i absolutely loved it the respect was the big thing for me and I think that the last piece, you know, we, we mentioned respect and the word humility. There was an absolutely fantastic photo of Matsuyama waiting at the airport, flying commercially back to Japan 
of it at, at six, I think it was six fifteen in the morning. You know, just wearing a, a cap and a t-shirt with his green jacket draped over a, the lounge chair next to him. Now, this wasn't some highfalutin lounge. He wasn't about to jump on his net jets and whip <laughs> off because he, you know, he was too precious. He was about to get on a commercial flight to fly back to Tokyo and. That kind of just summed everything up. I mean, it was a Masters of, as you say, of, of respect. It was quite a reserved one. There mm. wasn't too much bubba booing. It was like everybody just gave thanks for the event that it was able to run pretty close to normal. Mm. And a course that looked relatively close to normal, and we'll go into that a little bit, but everything was in place. Well, most things were in place. We're harping on, on the respect and great to, you know, see it all back at the Masters, back at Augusta. There was one souring note, wasn't there, Philly, when we saw Lee Elder being announced, you know, as we said, magnificent bit of respect being shown to him, and you had Gary Player's son, Wayne, catting for him, using the opportunity as a bit of ambush marketing, <laughs> promoting the ball, I guess, that Gary Player was playing. Is, is, do we know if Player's involved with the company? There's some reports that Wayne was a shareholder in it, but I'm, I'm not sure where that lies. Anyway, regardless of all of that, it looked pretty tasteless. I've tried to give him sort of the, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it's easy to jump on these things and go too far with it. And I was sort of trying to jump on, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was just a coincidental thing, but <laughs> having watched the footage again several times. Oh, God, it doesn't look good for him. And his brother, did you see see what his brother wrote about him, Phil? He absolutely teed off on him. No love lost. I've got the, actually, I've got the quote here. I'm just going to read it quickly. He was responding to to another tweet that he says, uh, so this is Mark Player, so at Mark underscore Player. Wayne has since correctly been banned from Augusta National and the Masters Tournament. What a shame. What an embarrassment. What a bad decision to allow him on the first tee after years of similar shenanigans. My apologies to all. Whack! That's a that's a brother tango. You know what? I actually think he's directed that at his um at his old man. Yeah, they've he's both have been caught up in that comment, and and quite rightly. And I don't think Mr. Player would in any way have wanted, known, or expected Wayno to do that. Mm. But Wayno can't help himself, and and then to try and justify it by saying, "I just wanted to let people know what ball." Mr. Player, as if that was the appropriate time for it. As if one, there's an account, and two, anyone gives us stuff. So, yeah. hence, I'm not mentioning the name of the ball. I don't care. No, hundred percent with you. But I also look. I think clearly it was more opportunistic than anything else. He wasn't. I don't think he was trying to be disrespectful to Mr. Elder. But geez, he had a clearly had a, a brain fade moment. Um, but that that right there, Phil, more proof that marketing is a soulless business. <laughs> I mean, what kind of person could possibly become a marketer? <laughs> A very tall one. Or, sorry, a good marketer, not me. No, there's not a chance on earth you would have done anything like that, and I can vouch for that. There's a real, just moving back to the, the positives, though, and within it, this importance to Japan and to golf of Hideki's win in terms of, like, the RNA. So, as Felder was saying, you know, he first met Matsuyama at the Asia-Pacific Golf Championship when he first qualified as an amateur and was able to then get into the butler cabin as… As a low amateur, yeah. As an amateur, and then in 2021 as the winner professionally. And it shows that that both the RNA and the Masters in terms of its own um, investments really is this grow the game. It's not a hashtag, it's a commitment that they want to extend their reach and they want they want the game to grow and they want the esteem mm. to be held. And I also love the fact that it was it was a nice reward for the path that has been paved 
from the players that have come before him, from Aoki and Nakajima and the Izakis and Shingo Katayama with his outstanding cowboy hat. Magnificent cowboy hat. And then Mariama, you know, when we go back to the President's Cup, um, when I was in Australia, you know, Shigeki Mariama, who was the hero and and a, a, just an absolute joy to look at mm-hmm. the purity and the, and the joy in his face. So great for Japanese golf, great for golf in general. But, you know, now which country is the best country not to have won a major? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how we, that's how we start to play play the conversation, don't we? But when you think about it, so he he wins as a sorry, he doesn't win. He's the low amateur in 2011. Very humble, as you can see back then. Ten years on, so there's some there's some lovely synergy about it. He wins ten years later, and that humility is so strong still within him. He's going to be a, this guy is a superstar. I, I know I've probably gone off a little early on it, considering you know he hasn't won. You know, tons of majors or anything like that, but he has won big tournaments. Obviously, players kind of a major, fifth major. But I just, I, I just think when you look at the players who were who were the low amateur at, at, in one year and then went on to win it, there's not many of them. And when you look at the names of who they were, you've got Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, uh, Sergio Garcia. Earlier, it was you know Ben Crenshaw, Jack Nicklaus. These are the absolute top players in this game. So he's in some esteemed company there. And I don't think when we look back at the end of his career, we'll be saying that he was a flash in the pan. I think we really will say, wow, he was he the signs of him being a a, a superstar of this game were there early. And I think with his attitude, he's only going to he's only going to go further and further. No, he's the real deal. He's in contention more often than not, it was silly of us to overlook him in our pre-masters tips. But you know, life is like that. Just, just one thing do, about the mask. Do, sorry, Phil. Do you want to know one funny thing? I almost this hand on my heart. I almost always have him tipped at every, just at every single major, and I didn't even think of him for this one last week when we were talking about it. What a muppet! He was my third pick in El Calcutta that I do with. No, he was the third pick, and I cleaned up, so I got low rounds. I got low. I had Justin Rose. I had Matsuyama. I got low rounds. Mm-hmm. I got. Winning score and that there was a lot of resentment. Well, aren't you just wonderful? I am, I am just wonderful. Question about the Masters for you. Go for it. At what point in time does the novelty of past players playing wear off? And I ask that in the context of how awesome it was for a Lathabal to play and to make the weekend, like Myers did the year before. But I look mm-hmm. particularly, and I'm going to point a couple out. Well, I'm going to point one out, but maybe two. Sandy Lyle and Larry Myers. So Sandy Lyle needs to wear a pair of suspenders. So Sandy Lyle, you know, dressing in his his suspenders outfit, Larry Myers, I think, just still annoys me because of what he did to Norman. Um, so I actually don't want him to come back. Wasnham, I, I don't fully understand. Other than I get that they love the place and I, lo- and I mm-hmm. actually really like the fact that the tournament allows them to come back. But I also like the fact that Crenshaw was able to say, it's no longer my time, I'm going to walk away. From it, as opposed to just because I can, I will. It's like people who cut you off in traffic or go up that slip lane on the inside. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You sort of answered your first question inadvertently there, Phil, because it depends who, who it is we're talking about. If they're players we like, we want them to play until they can barely walk. Of course it does. Like, I want couples. I want Langer and I want Alathabal. That's kind of it. And Mickelson. And that's kind of it. That'll do me. They're, they're the ones that we want, but it's just that point of when does someone else know when to put the brakes on or when to just pull up stumps to use a, a, an Australianism and say, you know what, enough's, enough's enough. It's a respect thing at the Masters. goes the whole way. You can't pick and choose who you respect. Is that fair enough? 
Uh, it is fair enough. So all my question is, is then, are enough of them aware of when they need to respect the master? Absolutely not. Who, whoever retires at the right time, very few players ever retire. And in, in, in this term, I mean retire from the masters, but in a career sense, very few do it at the top. You know, they say you want to go out at the top, but you don't want to go out at the top because then you're missing some of your good stuff. So it's, they're never going to get it perfect. And no, they, they absolutely won't. And to, to that point, I mean, I, I still clearly remember Sandy Lyle's second shot into 18 out of that fairway bunker. I, Of course, everyone in Australia remembers Larry Mizer's chip following a couple of dodgy drops. Trying to forget it. Um, but how could you forget it? And, and therefore, having him there does remind me of the pain. Mm. But Feldo chooses not to play. Yeah, true. But uh, don't you love seeing Freddie Couples get out there every year and yeah, have a smack? So it's, yeah, it, it's a, look, it's not a terrible question. It's, um, I just don't have the answer for it. No. But a lot of these players that do, you know, continually come back and play, they like playing it because it's a course that really suits them, Phil. It's sort of a- A horse for course situation. Yeah. So just on that, Kipper dismissed me categorically last year when I proposed ahead of Wingfoot, and we mentioned- Almost arrogantly so. That- there are, you know, oh, it doesn't really work that some players just suit some courses, yada, yada, yada. Well, I've got some facts to back up my assertion that if you want to win a Masters and you want to do it without being a flash in the pan but work your way at it, you need to understand Alistair McKenzie. You need to understand the nuances of his designs and how he goes about it. And we spoke about that in the preview pod where we spoke about the time that or Justin Thomas short of some bad decision making, you know, spending time with Tiger and all all the rest of it. But so we've got Matsuyama, President's Cup, and has played a fair bit in Australia, but President's Cup got Royal Melbourne and played really well around Royal Melbourne. Zelatoris, mm-hmm. California Golf Club, California Club or Cal Club, Elster McKenzie Design has played an enormous amount of golf. So he actually just gets and has immersed himself. Did, did Alistair McKenzie design any of the courses in Happy Gilmore? That, that is such a bad call. That is worse call. That is a worse lookalike call. Dead ringer. No, Absolute like dead it. ringer no, for Happy you, Gilmore's caddy. Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy. It's nowhere near as good as my Owen, Mil- Owen Wilson pre-boxing career when he's had the bro- pre-broken no. nose, Owen Wilson. You, you need some help with your, uh, with your doppelgangers. Anyway, Phil. I'm getting back to my thing. So Dustin Johnson, <clears throat> Royal Melbourne, President's Cup. 2011-2019, Matsuyama and Zalatoris, their history with yeah, around the um, around McKenzie Designs, be it Royal Melbourne or be it Cal Club. you got Tiger. Patrick Reed plays Royal Melbourne beautifully, gets Royal Melbourne. Sergio, uh, Danny Willett, don't know whether they've ever bothered to come out here. Spieth played at Kingston Heath, played Royal Melbourne West on his own time ahead of going to Sydney to play the Australian Opens. Bubba Watson. President's Cup 2011. Adam Scott, President's Cup 2011. Charles Schwartzel, President's Cup mm. 2011. You've got Mickelson, who plays Royal Melbourne courses through his ring. And then VJ, let alone Constantino Rocca, if I'm going back to the. Okay, so I see you've, uh, you've been Googling quite a bit, Phil, in order to make this point. But look, to be honest, I don't think it's a long bow to draw. I, I think you're actually, you are onto something. I'm pretty sure I heard, I think it was IBF, Ian Baker Finch was also saying something similar to what you're, what you're saying here. And he's obviously, you're in good company if, if that's something that he's, he's putting out there. But what is it, what do you think it is about these, um, about McKenzie courses that you need to learn to sort of conquer them or, or rather survive them? Okay, so the first point I'm going to make is I've said it first. <laughs> okay, so let's just get that out of the way. That before Zelatoris, so had Zelatoris not been in the top five, the McKenzie link doesn't come up. It, it does not get mentioned. 
because there was no one else, there was no one else on the leaderboard that had spent a considerable amount of time playing golf at McKenzie courses. Right. So that's, that's the first thing. So the second thing is understanding how McKenzie, the fact that he wants holes to get harder the closer you get to the green. It's not, it's not necessarily to be difficult to hit it off the tee, but, but the holes become more difficult. And even Mike Cocking touched on this in our podcast last year about the way McKenzie goes about designing it, the way he designs bunkers and almost camouflages bunkers and the rolls and the within a golf course. The second thing about McKenzie that is the real difference is knowing where to miss mm. consistently and knowing that there's a point where you try and overthink it. So you don't need to hit fades and draws mm. off tees. You just need to know where I'm trying to hit it. And work it within your game. And the, stat, and the stats from the weekend will actually back up that point, yeah, Phil. And work it with you in, your, in your game. So then it becomes about leaves, which is what Tiger referred to at Royal Melbourne when he came in down for the Presence Cup, that some, the best shot you're ever going to hit in your life at Royal Melbourne sometimes might be a 15-foot leave below the hole because there's just nowhere else that you can hit it. And four on the composite is the, is the perfect example of a hole like that where you actually just need to leave it. You need to leave the ball below the hole. Otherwise, you're in a world of a hurt. world of hurt. It's not staying on, and and so that's what they they pick up by playing there. And so to all the other players who are aspiring to win a Masters along the journey, I think it's a very real consideration that they either need to get themselves to Cyprus, they need to get themselves to Pazatiempo, they need to get themselves to the <laughs> Cal Club if they're so scared of travelling overseas like the majority of Americans, or they need to just go exploring and come down, and they need to play Royal, they need to to touch Kingston Heath or Vic or New South Wales or even Royal Adelaide and just try and understand a little bit more the mm. purity and the art of a McKenzie design. And if I am reading too much into that, so what? I'm allowed to have an opinion. It's a fair point you, you raise, and I think Kipper's utterly wrong, Phil. Utterly. We should have had, should have had him on here. What's he doing? Uh, well, he's scared of me making that statement. So as soon as I mentioned to him what our agenda was, he said, no, he I'm ran. busy. I've got, to, um, <laughs> I've got to mow the lawn. He lives in an apartment, so I hope he mows it with scissors. Let's move along to the you had you were talking about players losing the plot and and finding a way back and and let, let's talk about Spieth to start with. You did po- you posed me the question um, off air, sort of how how good will it be and how will he keep it going? Will he keep this form up for? And here's my honest opinion. My boy is back, Philly. He is back. So you've claimed him as your boy. We have plenty of evidence. Multiple Judah. times. We have plenty of evidence. That both you and I mocked Kipper for saying he was gone. No, no, I didn't. No, we mocked oh, for Kipper. saying we sorry for saying he was gone. Got you. Kipper was saying he was gone, and we yeah. said, no, no, there's just too no, much. Not talent. a chance. Yeah. I did, however, point out that don't back his putting too much because he's if he's holding him from 25 feet. I'm going to concede to you that the um, what would you say? You said he was a streaky putter, and ah, uh, yeah, over the weekend he may have been a little bit bacon. He was outstanding. Yes, like you'd back him from 20 feet. But you wouldn't back him from five. See, but my main point around Spieth is that, look, yes, he's been in the wilderness for a little bit the last last few years, but even the best athletes stumble along the way. In, in fact, it's the it's the getting back from, you know, getting back off the canvas, so to speak, and finding your game again after a pitfall. That's what makes the greats great. It's the fact that they keep getting up and going again and finding another level when everyone's writing them off. Name me one sportsman or, or one sportswoman considered a great of their game who had, didn't have any setbacks, Philly. Uh, like, I don't think you can. I think the, the greats have all had to overcome something at some point that's challenged their career. And class is permanent. Speedy, he's just – he has something else. He has that other level. And I think I think he's – honestly, I think he's back and I think this will be a long-term play. 
So I copped a bit of taunting for declaring Rory as a potential winner, and I know we will touch on this in more detail, but I have reminded and assured everybody that it was a little bit of a piss take just because I knew it would annoy you. (laughs) So just on that, so we talk about people coming back and having it a test of greatness. Is it time to just put a line through Rory? Is it dangerous to just put a line through Rory, (laughs) or is he gone? No, no. Like similarly, I I think it's – I think this is just uh, another – Hurdle, the latest hurdle for Rory. You know, the, the true test of his character is still to come. But honestly, he'll be back. For mine, he's just too much in his own head at the moment. Uh, you know, he's, he's trying to follow others. You know, he's trying to. He, he chased bright. You know, Bryson's length game. He wanted to try and do that, and he admitted it hurt him. I think he reminds me. Rory reminds me of one of those guys who doesn't take criticism well, and when it's fired at him, he fires it back when he cops it, big time. But then off the back of that, he'll he'll change his behaviour based on that criticism because he often knows that fundamentally there's some truth to it. It sort of eats at him. So I just think I just think Rory needs to keep quiet and get out of his own way. He's far too good a player, Phil, and there's no way he's done and dusted at, at what is he now, 30, 31, 31, I think. He'll come good. And he's a prime example for mine as well that this is one of those things where the media, the media has a habit of coining athletes, absolute superstars too early, but they're also really quick at riding off champions too soon. And this is definitely a case of that. He'll be back. He's just spattling. Well, of all the people I expected to defend Rory, it's not you. Now, tell me, Xander, will Xander be the next Westie or is he just too good? Next major champion in waiting for mine. He really is. He, he has it all. He had, yes, he had a couple of stumbles at Augusta, particularly late. But when you look at, again, you look at the stats, he was in the top five or top 10 in every one of the stats that matters at the Masters and the ones that we've talked about that that have for years and years sort of carried through. And just, um, I mean, just look at his major record. He's had top fives at three of the four majors already and a top 10 at the fourth. So he's been top, basically he's been in a top 10 at every major, but from the 15 majors he's teed it up at, he's been top 10 at eight of them. And he's in the top 20 at 11 out of the 15. Like that's, the guy contends at every major he goes, he, he tees it up at. So he's more for now than Westwood then is what you're saying. <laughs> I think honestly, the writing's on the wall for Xander in the sense that he will he will raise something at some point. I'm sure of it. He will. I will declare this so that it is on record. When he breaks through, it will be his first of five. It won't mm-hmm. be his one of one. His that string of being able. To, you talk about getting knocked down and getting back up. So gets knocked down on the front night, gets back up. And birdie, 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 birdie until he gets to 16. And mm. who hasn't put it in the water on 16? I mean, it's almost <laughs> – it's a rite of passage. You have to have dumped one yeah. under pressure on 16 to understand what it takes to get Kipper on your bag as a caddy. Um, <laughs> so so I think he'll learn a lot, but I don't think he needs to learn a lot. I, I think it's actually just those lapses that tend to get in the way a little as we go. No, I'm, I'm finding myself in – Frightful agreement with you, Phil. Now, next, Hideki has proven once again that the stat that matters around mm-hmm. Augusta is greens in reg. Um, not about distance. I mean, again, just some things we discovered from the Masters that we actually didn't need to say that we discovered. But he has proven once again that if you're good, greens in reg, and you hit it into the right spots, life is going to be pretty good as opposed to your mate, Bry. Who was so, – um? Do you, and do you know who was number one in GIR? I do. Funnily enough, Damien, but why don't you tell everybody? Well, it's my boy again, Spieth. I'm telling you. This is no – he's back. But Jon Hideki, sorry to steal the thunder. I didn't mean to do a little Wayne player-esque move that over was, to you, Phil. That was, it was thanks, a bit Wayne, wasn't it? Sorry, Wayne. the rest of the podcast. 
I'll refer to you as Wayne. Now, Wayne, just a couple of things before we get on again to the review of our choices, because we're going to finish with the review of our choices. Masters Magic. Look, mm-hmm. feel, and pin positions. The thing that I noticed of the first two days at the Masters is the greens looked like Royal Melbourne. And oh, my God, I've written that down phones. too. You're spot on. Until they became – until the rain hit and they had that play delay, it, it was Royal Melbourne Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, again – Almost with that little purplish hue as well, which to those if you've ever been at Royal Melbourne and, and seen it live, you know that means proper quick. Yeah, proper quick. But what I what I loved was the panic who someone from someone who hasn't played Royal Melbourne, and there was an interview with someone who'll go nameless, Kevin Kisner, saying that you know if you've got hundred and ninety yards into a green, you know sometimes you land it on a green patch and the ball releases, and sometimes you land it on a. Or, or it stops and sometimes you land it on a dry patch and it releases. It's called golf, mate. <laughs> exactly. like what we were going to do is prepare for you a marshmallow green so you could hit shit shots and get away with it and then hopefully not free jag it. Like come next, you know, just aim for the weekend next time. But understand that golf is not – so obviously he doesn't go and play much in Scotland. Golf is not a game played by consist, on consistent coloured greens and the way that Augusta is prepared tee to green – is second to none, probably other than Metro on a, on a good year, is second to none from a, a course condition point of view. But you can't complain about, oh, these courses are getting too short, they've got no defence, and then whinge about the greens when the greens start to defend the golf course because the cream rise to the top and Bryson had five over, which he followed up with a beautiful five under. But but that's the, that is the reality of it, it looked like Augusta, but early on I thought, and I sent you a message, should I? Or why not? It it looked like royal. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that look of it's almost the an unmasters green that was on the fairways. And you heard some people complain about it, but it reminded me of Kingston Heath. Oh, what year was it? What year was it when Tiger came out? Twenty. We don't talk about. It. We don't talk. About okay, it. we won't. We don't talk about that year actually. But Rachel just letting you know, when we were there, it was just unbelievably mint the condition. The greens were frightfully quick, but on TV, it looks it doesn't look great. It doesn't show up as it does there. So, I love the fact that they went more for the play than purely the aesthetics, which it probably, if there's any criticism, it might have been that they did that a little bit too much over the past 10 years. So, I, I thought it was a brilliant move. For me, feel, I had- um, I thought the feeling, the feel of the place uh, was so much better with some crowds. It's still not perfect, but definitely added a whole heap of heap more character and intrigue to the event for mine. Yeah, and the fact that everybody that was a, a patron on course got around eighteen for finish actually made eighteen look like eighteen always does. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that during the tournament they were spread around, but no, it it added a huge amount and certainly gave and perfectly socially distanced. Well, gave some players more targets to hit at, particularly if they're related, and we'll get onto that with Rory. But there was always these Muppets, and, and here's something that, that pisses me off, and it pissed me off with all we had to endure last year in Australia yeah. from a COVID point of view. Trust us that it's infectious. Wear the bloody mask. Don't be a hero and having it just over your mouth because, oh, I'm being sneaky and I can get away with it. It was actually it was really grinding on me that there were all these people doing the right thing, and the vast majority, 95% of the crowd, and then there were just these heroes who had more money than sense, obviously, who said, no, nah, I'm not covering my nose with a mask. No, for all you know, they had asthma, Phil. Why do you have to pick on them? What does their financial situation have to do with it? It has everything to do with it because that's what I assume from their status of wearing really big shorts Mm. with big gusseted. Anyway, I know we're on the back of the uh, Masters and really we should discuss it at the end of the year. Best major, Masters or Open? Look, I 
I struggle to look past the Open. Um, the Open Championship's always been the uh, Masters is a close second, but the Open Championship for me is just the the heart of golf. Agreed. Move How on. about you? Uh, no, no, agreed. Armlock putters. Will Zalatoris. Armlock putters. Okay, so this comes back to the whole anchoring debate for mine. When we, I was initially not against the anchoring. I think I thought, well, if everyone can do it, who cares? Um, everyone will do it. They want to do it. Once they've banned it, I look at arm lock putters as effectively anchoring. And Kipper might have a more technical explanation around the biomechanics of it, but to me, it's just moving the anchoring point, the anchor point. So I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't. I don't like them because of the anchoring thing. Because I think ultimately you're anchoring them to your arms no more than holding onto something. And if you're an anchor, then you're a bit of a wanker. Thanks, Wayno. But I just, I just don't love it because I look at these kids who, who are doing it, and I say, surely you've got more talent than needing to, to do that. But you know what? Whatever works. Spike. But are they need? Sorry, are they needing to, or is it just taking an advantage that's there? That now that, Wayno, is the best question you've asked today, and I don't have an answer. But let's hold that one for Kipper because I'm sure they have an opinion. If he doesn't, we'll make him have one when he chooses to join us. Spike marks. How weird is it to get close-ups of greens and see spike marks still? And how unfair is it for the for the sum to ruin it for the? But this, this is this is the thing for me. Like, what's the advantage to wearing metal spikes, Phil? A lifetime of wearing metal spikes. Is that is it just is it just having worn them? You don't want to change. All you do is ruin. The conditions on the greens for other players. I was stunned to learn that there was still, when you posed that to me, I, I, I had a quick look and I was stunned to learn that there's still like 25% of players on the tour. It was either 25% or one in four. I can't remember. One of those. Um, on tour, still wearing metal spikes. And these, and we're talking Tiger, Phil, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott. And then, then you look at, you know, John, John Rahm, not a big fan. He's not a big fan of the metal spikes. Did you see him back in January no. at the um, Tournament of Champions event at Kapalua? He uh, he missed a five. He missed a f- about five seven foot putt, um, and he said it was because of the spike marks on it. And then he just went off on a tirade. <laughs> and he's I've got I actually got the quote here if you want to hear it. He goes, oh, I mean, ah, it's so effing annoying. Honestly, look at the metal freaking spikes around the effing hole. It's a joke. It's an effing joke. Now I'm not as articulate as Ram, but I completely concur with his sentiment. I think all, all I can put it down to is that. The guys, and it seems like there's a trend, they all seem to wear a certain brand of shoes and they all seem to wear a certain model of a certain brand of shoes, which had the old leather welt, classy leather upper leather welt, and therefore they don't have any extra traction. But, you know, when Justin Rose, uh, yeah, I know he didn't win, but when Justin Rose is cruising around in spikeless Mm -hmm. and then you've got Matt Tiamma and these guys who all have soft spikes, I really don't think there is evidence to suggest that having six metal spikes or seven metal spikes uh, well, in fact, going back to, I think there's almost 10 or 11 of the bloody things on these shoes that, that, you know, it might well just be time to say, if we're going to prepare you the best greens in the world, we don't want them ruined by someone's arrogance of needing to wear them. And then just the last one before we get on to the really nitty gritty, Siwoo Kim, 9-9, 3-wood, 3-wood into 16, the, the short par 5. Is there a worse course in the world to snap your putter? <laughs> well, first of all, here's an idea. Control your bloody temper, Phil. It's not tennis. Stop throwing things, breaking things. You, de- you deserve it. For those of you who don't know, he, he threw his putter down he, and basically he, snapped he it. He missed a putt on 14 and cracked the sads and then hit a bad first putt on 15 and snapped his putter mm. and then had to putt out with three wood. But one of the great – he didn't three putt. 16, 17, 18. <laughs> he actually went okay with it. He actually putted really well. And it was interesting also is that you'll see – Justin Thomas a few years ago, 
ended up putting with his with a sand iron or one of the other crybabies mm-hmm. snapped it. He couldn't control their temper. Ended up putting with the leading edge, with the leading edge of a a nine might have been nine iron or eight iron, but to go with three wood, where you've actually got both bulge and roll on the face is a really interesting decision to putt with, you know, as opposed to at least having a straight face or a straight leading edge. To your question, uh, is there a worse course to break your putter at? Maybe Royal Melbourne. That's probably what I, what I had. Royal, maybe maybe Passatempo. That's another Mackenzie course. Apparently has hellish daunting greens. Pinehurst number two, Phil? No, I broke mine there. It was no, no you're okay. Yeah, name drop. I'll get that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not ideal. <laughs> Uh, although it didn't cost him any shots, which was which was good. Now enough of this tomfoolery. Let's get on with the good business. Should we deal with the losers or the winners first? Let's deal with the losers. Okay, you said we, we had to declare who would not win, and you said he said could not win. John Rahm, Dick, on the basis of a lack of sleep. No, on the, well, he just had his first child. I thought his thought his emotions would be a little bit up and down, Phil, and he's an, he's a bit of an emotive character. Was I was I right? So you're going to support that with as many stats as you went in with as to why he wouldn't win. Just yep, no, he didn't win. See, told you. Tick. Am I wrong? No, you you weren't wrong. He came a bit too close. He came scarily close though. <laughs> I was very nervous on Sunday or oh, Monday morning our time. Very nervous. How about you though, Phil? I I really like this is where I think I shone because there's no question that I'd bug it up the other one. But I said mm-hmm. that Bryson would not win, and I pointed out a couple of mm-hmm. reasons why not. And it turns out that some of them, coincidentally, <laughs> so I suggested as all the stupid reasons as Bryson wouldn't win is he's no good out of the bunkers. Mm-hmm. He was one of five sand soaps. Look at you, Philly. Look at you go. 50% of greens in regulation round one. Five over. That's not wonderful. He was out-hit by Cameron Champ, so he wasn't even the longest in the field. Yet no one's saying, oh, Cameron Champ's getting ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And you know that deep down I like Bryson. Yes, you do, but you also love Champ. Is Champ the coolest name on tour? He is, he is the Champ, and he was only 0.88 yards longer than Bryson, but 35 yards longer than Hideki. So, oh, yeah, length is everything. It's the way the game's being played of the future. 55% of fairways hit, and we know that he doesn't always hit it. Accurately, but I did call that out, and I did say where he would miss most of the fairways, and that they would penalise him. And I don't have any facts to back that up. But he was second last of the people who made the cut in terms of driving accuracy. Ram almost seventy percent of greens in regulation. Bryson over the, the course of the event sixty one percent, which becomes really costly. Putts Ram putted better than Bryson, so you take away green reading books, you put him in bunkers, you put him on fast and firm fairways that might run through, but he'll run through into pine straw. He'll run through into lies that he then doesn't know how to, or, or not crystal clear on controlling landing areas, controlling spin. Are you suggesting he doesn't have a very strong plan B, Phil? No, I'm suggesting he's an absolute flusher who just happened to have a bad week, as predicted by me. But I'm just not sure that he, in fact, here's one that I have no basis to back this up, but that's never stopped me in the past. I'm not sure that he got as much out of President's Cup week as some others of immersing yourself in it and the spirit and the fact that when you look at the internationals and even when you look at Shafofoli, you know, he was really grinding every day at Royal Melbourne. He was walking around, he was listening to what everyone was saying, what everyone was talking about and was a sponge. Bryson was getting excited and involved with the um, with a lot of the patrons, Phil, a lot of the spectators. He had a bit of fun. He is enjoying his time. Not as much as Paddy Reid's caddy. Now, Wayno, that's the losers. So we were both right because neither won. I was more right because mine didn't win by further. You were more right about who couldn't win. But 
who did we say for who couldn't lose or who would win, sorry, we should say. Now, I said uh, Jordan Spieth. He went pretty yeah, close. I think that was outstanding. I think that was a very good prediction because we did have to choose favourites and we had chance of choosing favourites. I think Spieth was well and truly in it until the reliable putt stopped. You know, they started lipping out, not lipping in. And, you know, a couple of other things went wrong, but he looked in control. He, he still looked like he was enjoying himself. The conversation, I still like the conversation he has with Grella, you know, when they're up and about. Yeah. It's very, it's really entertaining, isn't it? But he also, he looked comfortable. Yes. At no point did he look uncomfortable there. And I think that's, that's half the battle at Augusta. No question. That's why you see the same guys year after year after year. They're comfortable with the course. They're comfortable with what they have to do. And then it's about executing it and just enjoying the week. And I think he, as I, you know, I think I said last week after Tiger, he's probably the favorite, the favorite son or at least one of them. Um, I think, it, I think it showed. I think he had a lot of support. Yeah. He, he certainly didn't do anything to lose admirers. And it's just part of that journey back. And we are so keen to see him back because of the way he plays and the emotion, but not the anger. He, he, he wears mistakes. And moves on as opposed to, you know, a couple of them who, who did embarrass themselves with some of their sooky la la behaviour. You know, just get on with it. Accept that you've made a mistake. That it wasn't your caddy, and it wasn't the course, and it wasn't Mackenzie, and it wasn't the ground staff. It wasn't that you could smell the chicken salad sandwiches, which you haven't given a report on yet. I was going to. I actually tried to find out some stuff about it. I didn't. I couldn't find much. Um, I was going to ask you. Did you Did you hear from anyone? Were they, they any were good? The fifth favourite sandwich of the week. They came in fifth, which is not bad. Oh, no, top yeah, five. Which is pretty good out of the five. That's quite good. Top five at the Masters. My pick did not work out quite as well as yours. I loved after the first round, just <laughs> casting my mind back to our little chat last week, Phil, and seeing your boy from Northern Ireland battling away. I'm going to give you some stats to back up why <laughs> he didn't win and reinforce the fact that I think he can put a line through Rory. Hang on. Hang on. So you've gone from this guy's going to win the Masters and then three days later- He's gone. Put a line through him. He's never going to win a thing again. He was never going. To, he was never going to win the Masters. There wasn't. There wasn't a number, it, from a stats point of view or a form line point of view. There was nothing that suggested that he was a chance, other than the fact that bookmakers still reflect back to the fact that he was as high ranked as he was, and therefore will instill him as a potential major champion. There, there literally, other than birdies. Do you know how hard I had to look for a stat that supported my assertion that Rory was going to win? And all I could come up with was most birdies on tour. A common misconception at the Masters that you need to be the guy who gets the most, you know, scores the most birdies. But Hideki, there were 32 guys who scored more birdies than he. So it's not that. It's that you've got to, as you said earlier, you've got to manage the misses. That's the key to the Masters. Uh, and just on that with our mate Will, before I get on to the Rory disaster, with our mate Will Zalatoris, uh, institutes a, a method called Decade, which, which plots the best places to miss. It's all very scientific. Not not quite as Bryson end, but in terms of course management. And he conceded, and there was a comment about it, that on the second hole at Augusta, he conceded 0.3 strokes to the field on average by hitting three wood off the tee because he likes to hit fades with his driver. And that would have put him in a bunker and put him in danger of having a higher score. So to be able to say, I'm desperate to win, but I also have to have an element of protection and protect an attack, shows that this kid might actually have something. And as we've pointed out, by, I think, Brandel Chambly, could he be the first player in history to make a Ryder Cup team yet not have his PJ Tour card? Jeez, it'd be, a, it'd be a story. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah, and part of me wants absolutely. that to happen because I just think that would be unbelievable. Because there, There's something about him, though, isn't there? There really is something about this kid. Uh, I mean, how old? He's 24, isn't he? So he's not, he's not that young, but 
there is really something. There's a lot to like about him. He's got. He seems like he's got his head screwed on really well. And once he gets his nose broken, he'll be the new Owen Wilson. So anyway, getting back to Rory and Jim Nance and Ted Danson. So Rory, Rory hit his dad. So that's you know you know you're off to a good start when you hit your dad. And his dad was so ashamed of his son hitting him with a ball that he almost walked away in complete denial that a that he'd been hit, and b that he was any relation to it. It, no, I don't know who got hit or someone else. He was standing on his own with no one 15 metres around him, social distancing. <laughs> it still got him. Still got him. Uh, Rory, Mr. Distance Chaser. Oh, I'm chasing. Oh, I got into trouble chasing Bryson for length. Well, this worked out well because you're 23 yards shorter off the tee than the champ and Bryson. But you only hit 57% of the fairways, Rory. So now you're neither more accurate nor as long. So, like, be one or the other. Green's in regulation. Damning stat for Ooh, Rory. Oh, this is the stat. This is the one that hurts, Phil. So your mate Spieth, almost 78% of Green's in regulation. Your mate Rory, 53. Rory, Rory, who I declared a great iron player and a pure ball striker with the ball sitting up on the fairways, the assumption being that the ball at some point in time was going to be on a fairway. Rory can't putt. <laughs> Whack. So one of these two people I've declared I don't even want to come back to the Masters, that's a bit unfair. In fact, I love them both. Mike Weir and Bernard yeah. both hit more greens in regulation than Rory. So they're giving up 50 yards and hit more greens in reg than him. Like, Rory- Yeah, that's a damning stat right there, isn't it? It's- Tell you one thing that warmed my heart, though, just to slightly digress, Phil, for the week, who do you think was the best putter on tour for the week? I don't think there was any doubt that it was not me. Jose. Maria Olazabal. Oh, he was too. I- Does that not make you just smile? I, I love it. I absolutely love it. You can't buy experience, but just such a popular figure. Just brilliant. I love it. I love. See, that's my point. You're saying these guys should just walk away and not tee it up every year. But this is just, this is why I love the, the Masters so much. And I think with guys like uh, Jose Maria, going back to when he, he and Norman would, were dueling it out, and there were a couple of putts that he hold where – you know, Norman just had this big smile on his face because it was just so awesome and pointing at each other, you know, as that ultimate acknowledgement. And it's a respect that it's a respect that exists or that used to exist amongst the tour players and that potentially doesn't exist as much in terms of that mutual admiration society. And you saw some players finishing around a golf and at, at the Masters and you thought, is something weird going on at some stage? I think it was Siwoo Kim and Charles Schwartzel appeared to have a secret Handshake, but it turns out that they just didn't know whether I was meant to fist bump handshake <laughs> or just wave at each other. But the old days of when Alathabal was dueling with Norman, Alathabal held a couple of long putts. Norman points at him with a big smile on his face. Like that, the only joy that I've really seen at the Masters of one player celebrating another player, other than the, the outpouring of a real positivity around Matsuyama's win. And it was, it was unanimous outpouring of, of support for Matsuyama was when Leishman was celebrating Adam Scott holding the putt and cheering and fist pumping and so that camaraderie. I hope I hope there's still enough of it out there in the tour. But Jose, to your point about his putting, you know they're the nice memories that that why I want those players coming back. So what would be your absolutely most endearing image from this Masters? I, I think it's exactly where you'd start it. Uh, it's his the bow uh, removing the flag, the bow. You know, you just can't get better. That is the most enduring, as I said on a social, it is the most enduring and endearing image I think you could possibly have 
from a Masters because it, it reflected the very difference what we've been waiting for in, in regarding humility and respect. And it was an unbelievable way, footnote to an unbelievable event. And congratulations, Mr. Hideki Matsuyama. So beautifully said, Phil. And on that note, we might wrap things up for this Tenuous Links Golf Barons podcast. Thanks for all your thoughts today, Philly. Wrapping up another wonderful Masters. And thank you for listening, Barons. Keep an eye out on Fox Sports 503 and KO for Season 2 of Golf Barons. Screening in the coming days and weeks. And sign up at golfbarons.com for all the podcast and show news and everything in between. Until next time, Barons, bye from us. And remember to add some swagger to your swing.